0: Now he might wail. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises. <laughs>
1: Big as an island, away, 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 as Big as an island. Cooking with here on inside the whale. Your first. This is uh, like many people out here. This their first podcast, which is uh, is exciting. Yeah, I'm sure you can't wait.
2: Yeah, you know, you're the you're the first like podcast interviewee, Doug. You know, it's. Uh,
1: do you listen to what podcast do you listen to?
2: You know, so Justine listens to like, um, oh goodness, like radio lab mm-hmm. a lot. Um, this American Life, um, yeah. I listen to lots of audiobooks too, though. But.
1: Are any people that uh, is that? I wonder if um, politicians are they doing uh, podcasts? Like, is, I would think they would fall in line. It would make sense, man. Well, that that, that you would have a podcast. Like, <laughs> you looked,
2: could. I haven't looked into it,
1: but I guess. <laughs> I like, guess you have enough work to do, right?
2: Yeah, but a, a podcast doesn't have to like your your conversations are usually what like half hour, forty five minutes. I try and do like an hour, an I think. hour. So, like, I could do. A 10-minute podcast? Like, why does a podcast have to be an hour, you know?
1: Yeah, I actually, people have talked to me a lot saying that I should shorten them, but I totally do not believe in that. This is a long-format conversation. That's yeah. what I enjoy. All the podcasts that I listen to, Joe Rogan, WTF, uh, Marin, they're just long-form conversations, and I think that that's the beauty of it, In people listening, like myself, <laughs> you, you, you never know, and you kind of, you know, you you start cooking, throw a podcast on, you listen to, maybe you stop because they're talking about something super interesting.
2: Yeah, and you want you know you 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 extend it on longer and longer to twist people's arms, you know, get them worked up, You're a little <laughs> nervous, you know, you get them, totally. get them working, you know. Well,
1: uh, we're drinking a beer, we're having a Brooklyn lot. La- what kind of beer do you normally drink?
2: I've been drinking lots of Grey Lady out at the brewery lately. Nice. it's just very light and it's, it's like summer easy.
1: I know we're getting into that season now where it's it's kind of a, a the the Warm weather makes you want that. Yeah, nice.
2: yeah. That light, that light. It tastes like salt water, pretty much. It's great.
1: There's that. You ever, you ever brewed your own beer? No, no. I have friends beer. that are into that.
2: I do I, the bread. I make br- lots of fresh bread. That's like really. That's my thing. Ooh. No need bread, Doug. You gotta try it. You just. Well, all right. Um, I'm into so, it.
1: I, I'm so, totally like. Since I moved to Nantucket, I've been cooking. In New York, I didn't have to cook or do anything. So it's this world is opened up. We just so it's awesome. So get this. You take. You
2: take, like, mostly flour, a little bit of, like, quinoa and oats. So, like, a cup of quinoa, a cup of oats, and, like, four cups of flour, okay? Or, like, ten cups of flour, whatever. And, you know, white King Arthur flour. And then add a little yeast in. Good, hev- hefty salt. Water, warm water. Mix it up. Mm-hmm. Taste the dough. It should taste, like, a little bit, like, it should taste good. You know, you would need the right amount of salt. Right. I never measure anything when I make bread. It's all by feel. And then you mix it up, you let it sit out for the night. The next morning, you fold it over again, let it sit out for a few more hours, then whoosh, plop it right into a pan and bake it. And bake it. Bam, right like that. No kneading, none of that hoopla. Huh. Easy. Best bread ever. It's like moist, delicious, and tender and crispy and Oh, I have
1: to try it. Yeah. So maybe next time uh, you'll have to get me a slice. Yeah, no-knead bread. It's like a I I have make these cookies, and I kind of cook that way, too. I don't follow, and uh, Amy always gives me a lot of crap because I don't follow <laughs> recipes. I kind of wing it. I don't, you know, I'll just kind of, just like you said, I'll yeah. just throw, like, I make these cookies. I do, um, I take oats, mix up the oats with um, a little bit of brown sugar, a little bit of agave for sweetness, and then I take mash-up bananas. So th- it's almost like a, they're, like, health bar cookies. They're like, uh,
2: like compost cookies? Exactly.
1: Comp- kind of just so, so I'll just mix in all these oats and some raisins, some cranberries, and then uh, I bought this really good organic chocolate, these little morsels, and then you bake it in a l- little cinnamon in there, and when it bakes in the house, it smells up, it's amazing. These are all things, these are new to me, I never did this before because <laughs> I lived in New York, so I'll, like the, 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 the beginning, the middle, and an end of creating something is very exciting.
2: Yeah. That's a it's a big part about like being on the islands. Like you have that like you catch the fish, you cut the fish, you cook the fish, you eat the fish, you throw the fish in your compost, you grow tomatoes, you cook you harvest the tomatoes, you cook the tomatoes, you eat the tomatoes, they go back in your compost. It's like it's awesome.
1: Yeah, have you ever heard the homegrown tomatoes song? No. Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. There's only two things that money can't buy, that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Guy Clark. Great we song. Should,
2: we should get you on, uh, what is it? No, wait, wait. Prairie Home Companion. You know, yeah
1: Catch up. Catch oh. up, you know? Don't you find his voice, Garrison Keillor's voice, just like there's...
2: You can put anybody to bed.
1: It's just like He has this buttery voice that's just like, uh, I don't know what, there's something, I find it like therapy. Yeah. yeah. You, you know? I
2: grew up, was Like I remember being like 10 years old, you know, I grew up like my whole youth listening to NPR, like... That was like my thing. It was just right. before we go to school. I remember listening like about the Kosovo War and you know what was going on at like six thirty in the morning and getting up and going to school. Was...
1: The Kosovo, yeah, that's so. That was what nineteen. Let me see if I know my history. That would be you know, the Bosnian War. Yeah, and... that would be nineteen ninety two three.
2: Mm, I think it was a little. Is yeah, it no, that's that? about no, a little later. Is it? I think like ninety four, ninety five. I, I don't his... I don't know my history I was
1: before. I was a history major I should know this. But uh, it's. I
2: feel like I wasn't five. That's all I'm saying, Doug. You know, I was born in 88. So if I was listening to it, I was five.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You never know how things sink in like that. You were homeschooled, right? Yeah. Tell me about homeschooling. I always think that was. Excuse me. Wow, that might be a (laughs) podcast first. (laughs) Oh. Your your first burp on uh, the. uh, Listen, you know, we're drinking a good ale here. So. it's going well, I'm
2: trying to get, I'm getting in the mood, Doug, you know? Mm-hmm. I, uh,
1: Tell me about homeschooling.
2: So homeschooling, um, homeschooling is awesome. I love it. I think it's really good for kids to be able to learn how to learn. That's like the whole focus of homeschooling and the philosophy behind it is like, you're trying to teach kids that like, like your whole life, you're going to learn new things. And in, you know, the tech world and business nowadays like it doesn't matter what how like good your technical skills are like it's like oh we have this new software or like we're going into this new market and we're gonna have to like learn how to do all these things um how do you do that how do you like learn how to do new things and so that's what homeschooling is all about and i I thrived off of that it really fit well with me and I didn't I wasn't great at like spelling and certain things but I learned how to learn so now my spelling's great because there's like auto spell and that like I go back and I go, okay, that's how you spell that word. Like, you know yeah.
1: I? You you were had a learning disability, you told me, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm dyslexic. I,
1: and I think that was, uh, we had talked about that. I think that was interesting because I myself had a learning, was diagnosed with a learning disability. So, and I think just that label is really tough to, to give a kid.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like you never, you know, sometimes the kids who have like problems turn out to be successful and sometimes the kids who are, I oh, don't. It's it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I just I think that uh, there's something to be said for that. I, I don't know if they're still doing that, but this that label when you're a kid in, in the public school system to be labeled, you know, learning disabled, and they would take you out of the normal classroom. You know, I I th- I very insecure about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, as an adult now, I mean, to look back and be like, you know, I don't think that was well, right.
2: Well, it's it's like. It, it's one thing if you're being like taught like, "Hey, this is something you need to improve on, and you can overcome this and be stronger through it." Or it can be like kind of crushing as like a little kid. You're like you're different and you don't fit in. With friends like when I went to public school, I was picked on. It was like horrible. Really? Yeah, because I was homeschooled. I didn't know a lot of kids. And oh, so
1: you got into the school system, and so you were the out. Yeah, yeah. Outsider. In, in
2: in middle school and high school, I was like this this outsider.
1: Do you think that there's any elements of that? I know bullying is really serious, but there's I've heard different sides of the argument that you know sometimes it's just the 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 pecking order, the Lord of the Flies sort of uh, mentality, so to speak, can actually you know it's just that that system is there. I mean, not that bullying is right, but like it also teaches you how to fight back.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and by
1: no means am I advocating that like bullying it's is acceptable but i know that's one of the arguments so it,
2: it unfortunately it happens and it happens in all sorts of different ways and i think if we can do as much as we can to stop bullying that's great but also at the same time like i think teaching kids like this happened like you can't just have a kid in a bubble and expect them to grow up like things are going to be hard there's going to be people in your professional life you know when you get older who are like ride your ass and like that sucks you know, (laughs) and pick on you, you know, and bully you because they want you to fail. So they'll get your job, you know, and that stuff happens. It's really unfortunate. But if you can teach kids at a young age, like, hey, this is really hard. But like, this is going to teach you to overcome this.
1: Yeah, I had brother, I had this kid, John, John Foy used to pick on me. And I remember him, uh, I was scared of him. I had heard that he wanted to beat me up. And he was uh, uh, at this pool one day and he he took a swing at me, and uh I cried <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> but i it was I had brothers, and I don't know i he was kind of like I was always scared of him, and he knew that you know, <laughs> but then I thought that i think uh, I think later on, uh actually you know what my brother might have even stepped in, but I was scared of this kid he was. He yeah, was, he was no, kind of so that 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 experience though just that's the first time I had to, you know.
2: Yeah, I was I was the same way. I got, you know, picked on. I cried, you know, went to the principal's office and, you know, got away get like left the situation. That was that was my memo. So how long Pacifism, did you know, Did you go get away?
1: did you stay in the school for a year or
2: Yeah, no. So I stayed like I stayed through high school. Yeah.
1: I'm so, always curious that like now that uh, my daughter's going to be growing up out here. I love hearing the experience of someone that grew up out here and their thoughts on the... You know, I just... Was there, you know, a disconnect?
2: Yeah, like... like, Is there anything... Like, is there anything weird about growing up on Nantucket? Is that what you're saying, or...?
0: Well, yeah,
1: I mean, well, I think there is inherently something very different. I don't know if weird would be the word, but I think it's just... It's a different place to grow up than, than certainly the way I... Where I grew up.
2: Yeah, well, I I might say, like, where'd you grow up, Doug? In Syracuse. In Syracuse? So, like, you know, New York.
1: Outside a suburb of Syracuse.
2: Oh, in the suburbs. Like, you know, that's maybe like a little more normal America. I don't know. Um, But everybody grows up in a different spot, more or less. And Nantucket's just another different spot. You can grow up in the middle of Montana. That's different. Growing up on an island on Nantucket's different. And growing up in the inner cities, different. There's just a lot of kids who go to the inner city, so you're that's like a more common experience, but it's not
1: You didn't feel it was limiting though.
2: I didn't feel like it was limiting. I I think, you know I went I played soccer and we like flew off to games. It was awesome you know, over to the Cape to play soccer
1: games. Like, <laughs> oh man, like, I saw there was a soccer team on the boat this morning and I could just vision myself in 10 years from now, that's going to be me on the boat with all the kids going, yeah, going goodness, on soccer awesome. games. The kids definitely seem like they're having a, having a blast.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it, you know, it's an hour and a half commute. It's not that bad. You know, there's sailing teams coming over and kids sailing in the harbor. Like, can you imagine that? Do you sail? I sail. I love sailing.
1: Are you a good sailor?
2: I think I'm a, I'm a good sailor. I'm not, I'm not like a racer, but I've raced a little bit.
1: Did you ever partake in Fugawi?
2: No, never partaken in Fugawi.
1: Yeah, what are your thoughts on Fugawi?
2: Um, you know, I think there's kind of two parts to it. One, it's a sailing race and sailing races I think are great events. I think it's just a great way to spend time. There's two sports you can do for the re- your whole life and that's play golf and go sailing. I don't like to play golf, so I sail. I hope to sail till I'm 90. What about
1: riding your bike? You just rode your bike here riding. That's
2: yeah, but you know your your joints might give out, you know, at some point, you know, when you're 80 and your balance isn't as good, but you can still yeah. go sailing. So there's you know, there's a, there's a thought there. Nathaniel. But so so for Galway, like I I don't like the party scene. I'm not like a big fan of frivolous crazy drinking and madness. I just I don't think that's good for young people. I don't think that's good for millennials and I hope we can try to nurture them to grow past that.
1: So what do you think would be the what and i've talked to people about this what would be a solution what would be the option to 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 curb that aspect to keep the race keep the integrity of the event but to limit the uh just the, the wildness cuz i i see it and i understand that cuz i was 22 once so i get it just seem it does seem a little like i've only been here for 5 years i've seen it seem i've seen it ramp up a little bit mm-hmm. have have you does it seem like mm-hmm. it has
2: I don't think I've noticed it as much. I don't. I haven't been compared to what it was ten years ago. I don't know. You know, I just wasn't f- focused that much on it.
1: Yeah, and then the well, the Fourth well, the of July is a big deal. They moved it, right? Yeah, that, that yeah.
2: They moved the. You know, I, I were you involved that. in that? I was on the board. Yeah, I thought it was. You know, for, for me, it was. You know, there was a. There, it was an interesting debate. I, I enjoyed it. You know, there's this thought like, oh, you know we should have the fireworks on the 4th. It's, it's American. It's about like celebrating our independence. And for me, it's like, well, if we're, if we're encouraging a society to like, and our young people to party and just have like a ridiculous unhealthy time, um, on the beaches that I, I just don't think is good for society and all walks of life. Like that's not what our founders were about. That's not like why we fought for this freedom and to be, you know, that's just not what it was about. It's about like celebrating like the birth of our country and beating the British. Like that's that's (laughs) what it's about, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, you could,
2: so, so, so you juxtapose like people having a good time and in celebrating what 4th of July is really about. And it's like a time to celebrate our country and like embrace that. And I think we'll get back to having the fourth fireworks on the 4th of July. But I think we just, you know we can't do it at the expense of a whole group of people you know suffering through alcoholism it's just not healthy
1: totally and you know what i was going to say if if you want to really get the argument uh, out there to people the people that that are on the front lines it's the cops and the pe- go to the er yeah uh, go to the, the er the the er those people working there are the ones that have to deal with all the bullshit yeah we can all just go about our day and say oh the kids are drunk and blah 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 but the, the people at the er are seeing firsthand all that crap, so the, I think that their argument uh, is very valid.
2: Yeah, and I I think if I th-
1: they were to ever like take a public, you know, oh,
2: oh totally, totally, you know the the it's it's not it's not good for the whole of the society. It's not just the young people. It's the whole society. It's the whole culture. It's 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 advertising to young people, millennials. That excuse me, that. Instead of us giving you something great to do and having like opportunities, we're going to provide a space for you to party. And that's what we want you to do with your time. Instead of like trying to interact, like how awesome is it that there's what, 7,000 people g- gathering on a beach? Like instead of them spending the day like picking up litter and like leaving, being like, wow, this is like a better society we live in. They leave trashing the beach. That's just one little side effect. You know, on t- like the, the, the thing that really gets me though is the date rape, Doug. You know, that happens a lot with alcohol. That's yes. something that we don't like to talk a lot about as a culture. But that to me is like unacceptable. That is something like we, if we condone that, and I, I really felt that as a board member, like we license alcohol. So like that is like every single bill, every single institution that sells alcohol, when they're selling it to someone who's inebriated, like that falls on our soldiers. We gave them a license to do that and they're not, operating within that license and it makes me want to be like all right let's get rid of the license that being said you know when you take that stance people clean up their act and they stop over serving people nantucket
1: rid- going dry can you imagine that what is it uh there's a couple dry towns uh, marblehead is a, or no no marblehead mass is not dry. there
2: there's there's one on the vineyard
1: um, there is a dr- yeah yeah that's right
2: um so you know you're allowed to drink there but there's no uh there's no sale. package store there's yeah. on no sale
1: yeah that, to me, personally, it seems a little, it, it, in my opinion, that would be extreme, but I do think that... Uh, yeah, I don't
2: think, I'm I'm not advocating that we go dry, I'm just advocating that we encourage a culture that drinks responsibly. But I guess that, my like, question is, hope. how
1: do you encourage that culture? Because it really comes from, it, it, it's so complex, because it, it comes down to kids, <clears throat> and I've been 20, 22, I understand that mindset, and it really comes down to parenting, like, kind of, like, yeah, it, decisions it, it, it you make. It comes down and, to
2: the basics, you know, education parenting, you know, having a society that, you know, we've talked about affordable housing, like having housing. So like people aren't, you know, in stressed out situations. So they have like space for young kids to hang out in, you know, it's, people are, are like trapped in these little boxes and then they're like, they hit, they get out of the house and they're like, ah, I got to express myself. And
0: like,
1: (laughs) and then you add alcohol and and
2: you add alcohol. And and there's all, there's all these steps as like a society, I think we can take to to, encourage young people into doing other things and i don't like the idea of like banning you know give me an example
1: of a step because i'm trying to follow your train of thought like what would be like and something that and see if we think it would or if i think it would work
2: um so so you know there's lots of sporting act you know there's lots of other things to do that are really fun and how do we promote those things in the same special way that partying is promoted So, like, sports events, I think, are a great opportunity where people come and they congregate and you have thousands of people having a great time, you know, watching a sporting event. That's a way in which, like, people can do something that, you know they can learn about a sport or talk. You know, it's social socialization is like really important, Doug. Like you have to have an opportunity to talk to people if you want to like grow as an individual.
1: Right. So you
2: know, that's just that's just one form. You know, there's so many other
1: sporting f- culture. You for me, I have a really bad taste in my mouth. I've seen just really ugly, yeah, ugly yeah. behavior through sporting culture, yeah. man. I've seen a guy because he had a Yankee, the Yankees Boston rivalry. I've seen a guy punch another guy for wearing. Yeah. And that's alcohol. Yeah. That's, so and there's a, there's another there's a great example. There's adults acting like kids.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't think we're gonna solve the problems. No. In I know. It's, it's, I, I'm just saying, like, as a policy leader, part of my job is to lead, and it's not to say like, oh, we, you know, that's just what young kids do. That's just what my generation does. Like, so be it. I think I should take a stand, and other young people should take a stand and say, hey, we can do. Other things, you know, we can go surfing, we can go sailing, we can go walk on the beach, we can go plant a garden, we can go make bread, we can go make beer, you know? Yeah, but
1: those 10, ten dudes coming down from Boston with aren't coming down there, aren't coming down here to plant, they're not, the, they're here to party. Nantucket people come here to party. That's just, so there has to be uh, something set in place to, to at least have an infrastructure that can support that kind of mindset that like, hey you know even if it's email blat i don't know I, i'm just yeah, thinking no, there's, something there's, that can plant the seed that like party responsibly
2: yeah well there's there i think there's definitely
1: and that sounds probably stupid to people like party responsibly that's yeah, a, you know 20 year old the end of the advertisement yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally. that was so bad i'm sorry no it's okay <laughs> party it's okay. responsibly
2: yeah um there's there's it starts at the beginning in culture, and that doesn't mean we can, we should condone it. Just because something happens that isn't great, doesn't mean we should condone it.
1: There you go. Yeah, I know. It is one of there's, those. St- there's
2: always hope and ways of trying to improving things. You don't just say, "Oh, kids party," and that's that. Like we used to have the Mattikas Jam Jam on Nantucket, you know, way back when that was before my time, and it got shut down, and that doesn't happening anymore, and we've moved on. Yeah, but enough about parties, you know.
1: I know we can change we can change the topic. People are probably like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> You're not, you know, it, it's a hot topic though, for sure.
2: It is. It is.
1: Do people ever? I want to ask you: Do people approach you when you became a selectman? Does that change the dynamic when people see you publicly? Because because um, everyone people have agendas.
2: Yeah, you know, people definitely have agendas. Um, you know, for me, like a big part of it is like conducting what they say into something useful. So if you, if you have a concern about an issue or, you know, the classic example is there's something wrong with my road and it's like, okay, great. There's something wrong with your road. You and like a hundred other people.
1: Hashtag there's something wrong with my road. <laughs> hashtag there's something wrong with <laughs>
2: my road. Hashtag like, let's fix it. Uh, hashtag bias, you know, like <laughs> let's, let's get it done, you know? Right. And so, so then you say to people, okay, we have a system, you know, on Nantucket, we allocate over a million dollars a year to fix roads. Like we do a re- we have great roads on Nantucket. Just, just for everybody out there who thinks there's, like, bad patches and whatnot, like, the roads on Nantucket aren't that bad. There's dirt roads, and the rest of the roads are, like, pretty good. Really? Like, really are. Like, go, you know, just go off island. There's, like,
1: bad roads, you know? It's really... I just think it's great to hear you defending roads. I know, but,
2: but roads like that... It's matter- such like,
1: to me, it seems... I mean, yeah, and obviously people are like, oh... Roads are
2: really... Like, the Do you, day-to-day stuff Does that seem to, to be people. the thing
1: that comes up a lot to you?
2: Roads are important. You got to make sure roads are fixed and you got to come up with ways of priori- prioritizing like which roads get fixed next and like engage people in that process. Like, okay, your road has a problem. Well, this guy over here is road has a problem too. Like, all right, so we have like a system in a queue and we have a DPW and they're working on it. And like, this makes sense. And is that system working properly? Do we have enough funding? Are we meeting the levels that are acceptable? Like nothing's perfect, but we improve the system every year. To make sure like we have good functioning roads. And I think the roads get better. You know, we have bike paths. Like a lot of other communities don't have bike paths. So we're taking care of like roads and bike paths. How like, th- That's really cool, isn't it's it? An,
1: it is very cool. And uh, I think the, the bike ridership too. I, 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 I'm, I was like that in New York. I love they built these awesome bike lanes. And just you. And in the morning, I used to, that's the way I used to ride everywhere. <clears throat> You'd see all these people riding their bike to work. I think that it, to be able to do that, what a gift! To be, I, it just looks, it's it, it feels it's, great, it's, it's empowering. Exactly, it's like yeah. Being able to ride your bike to work is so cool. I think, and the Nantucket seems like they've done a pretty good job. Were you involved in the bike path stuff?
2: Um, you know, not from the very beginning. You know, it's been a thirty. Because we need year one process.
1: here on Somerset, man. Yeah. All right. No, so you're
2: you're 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 on the list. Is the summer, there, are there's, they going to put one there? They will eventually. So there's a there's a process. It's something called the tip, and it's like a, you know, the state helps fund bike paths.
1: I'll give you a tip.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got a tip for you, but no. Here's so, a tip for everybody. Get that bike path beam right now. So it is on the on the. There is a list
2: and a little community advocacy group you know from all the neighborhood supporting that going to meetings I'll get know? involved in that there's I know uh I know Cliff Monkers down the street on Somerset he's he's a big advocate for it
1: how about your uncle he's right there he, right he,
2: you know he's right there you probably have to take some of his yard but he won't mind it's a nice bike path you know
1: i don't know him but he sits out there a lot i love he's he'll be sitting in the summertime he sits in this chair yeah <laughs> that's
2: that's what it's about that's what But they definitely for.
1: need a bike path there's so much traffic yeah. on that road i'm like it's only it's
2: But that, see, the cool thing about that, so, like, that's a great point, Doug, and I should touch on that, is, like, we, the town, and a group of individuals, like, advocated for there to be a bike path down Hummock Pond Road, because Cisco Beach was just so popular, it's a great beach. Um, there's tons, you know, it's not like one beach, you know, there's miles, miles of beach. Right. And that's, what's great about Nantucket is public beach. Like we all have a right to be on the beach. That's so cool. That doesn't happen in other places. You know, you go to New York, you go to no, the
1: Hamptons. You yeah, can't do that. You can't there's, do that. A tiny little, there's a tiny little, there's a tiny little parking that, space. That
2: is why Nantucket's awesome. We have like a history, like based in the founding documents of Nantucket that everybody has a right to the water. You have a right, you know, Massachusetts, you have the right of way on the road it's everybody's road. They're public roads. It's like
1: really cool. So anyways. Wait, so if you buy beachfront property that, that you so, could technically so the, walk on the people's property. To well, the so beach? there's
2: something called Chapter 91 that says between um, low tide and high tide is owned more or less by by the public. And wow. so the public owns that. When was that put in place? That's been there for hundreds of years. That's amazing. That's been... You know there for a long time but where it comes into conflict is people build revetments right and so then the beach erodes and then the water you can't walk past the revetment at high tide or low tide because the water is right up to the revetment
1: i'm looking up revetment the meaning of it
2: is i don't know it means like a rock structure a wood structure to you know rocks that's just a great sand. word it's a cool word i think it's probably an old french word revet you know, anyway, fortress, sorry, I didn't something. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard when I hear a cool word, I'm like, Oh, that's a great word. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, so the point I wanted to make is Hummock, you know, Somerset, there's a need for a bike path here, because we now have a great bike path going through Hummock. And now there's a lot more people who are riding between Bartlett's and Hummock. And they're like, because more people are riding bikes and more people are out walking. And so now we're getting more people who are like, we need this. And this is a a problem but this is a good problem we've created where people are like we want to be safer we need a bike path and we want to help pay for it you know
1: yeah um
2: and i think i, I just think that's great I like that. that is that's a great outcome when pe- you do something and it costs money and it takes risk and you're like oh are people even going to use this and then they do it's just so it's so great and then they
1: want more you know do you tell me about some of the uh, complaints? What do you hear? Do you hear similar? What are some of the complaints you hear as selectmen that you would hear a lot? Some, some of, of the top ones that you would be like, Oh, that's always, was it the 40 B?
2: Um, housings, housings, a big, so like you hear things, you know, one, I don't try to hear complaints. I try to encourage people to solve things. And two, like housing, um, you know, uh, the beach, beach cleans, making sure things are clean is really important. Um, complaints, like general complaints, well, noise I'm... noise complaints are big, you know,
1: the but... cops do a pretty good job. I mean, I think they actually, I mean, you, you have a 10 o'clock curfew and they come right after 10. So like it's, they have it pretty dialed in. I mean, as far as like being on top of it, they like, it's pretty strict.
2: Yeah. No. And I think that's. You know, you can go in and go inside your house and make as much noise as you want. But for the most part, like, we live in a society. Like, that's great. Everybody yeah. gets to go to sleep. You know, that's. <laughs> I think that's really cool.
1: When did you first get the bug for politics? Like, when did you decide? Because I think it's very interesting, the, the type of personality that decides they want to get into politics. I've been thinking about this. Yeah. So what is it that drives someone, you and other people, to get involved in politics?
2: So... So for me I was in I was in San Francisco at the time and you know, I'd been working a lot in different fields, in in uh doing some advocacy work on energy, uh, renewable energy, um been doing some gardening, living on the water, just had a was just getting doing some activist things and was just really excited about some of the things I was doing and, and I realized like I wanted to have a bigger impact. There's some big problems facing the world. Um you know, we all have a pretty good idea of what, what they are, you know, climate change and, you know, kind of how our economy works in general. There's a big questioning in the current politics about that. And for me, my my thought was, okay, well, you know, think globally, act locally. Like, get There's a involved. bumper sticker for that. <laughs> there's a bumper sticker for that, you know? And, and so I came back to Nantucket and I ran for Selectman. I, it took me two years to get elected. And I got elected and, you know, it was it was great. I was able to get things done. It wasn't youngest
1: selectman ever, ever, yep. ever on Nantucket. And w- how old were you? I was twenty four. Twenty four. That's a uh, that's a young age to be taken on. That was there a uh, a little bit of a learning curve in that?
2: Yeah, there was definitely a big learning curve. Big learning curve. But it, you know, one thing, um, one thing I should say is that it doesn't matter who you are, if you work in business or you're big CEO or this, that, and the other thing, becoming a member, uh, being a member of a city council or board of selectmen, you just deal with so many different things. So Nantucket, you know, we have a DPW, we have an airport, we have a dump, we have sewer, we have a water company, we maintain the roads. Um, we maintain, we have natural resources. We have a scallop propagation, you know, Harbor master. We do so many different things as a town. Then we're a small town, so people are integrating with us and like have questions or concerns. It doesn't matter what your background is. It's a hard job. It's really hard. It's it's over a hundred million dollar budget, lots of different departments. It's it's complicated. It's really hard. So there was a, a big learning curve, definitely.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the dump. I'm very. The, Nantucket's dump seems pretty progressive. Is it? I, I don't know. It's I, and I say that because I love it. I'm. I think it's. They. It seems like they have it ever from the recycling standpoint to the way they're I don't know it, it's
2: it's better it's a lot better than a lot of other places.
1: That's what that's what I was getting at. And I don't I don't know nothing about sanitation departments or anything. Yeah. I just just as a someone that goes there and drops stuff off, I, it seems like they have it really organized and dialed in. Is, yeah. is that right or wrong?
2: For the most part, my my one thing, you know, there's that big digester there, you know, that digests that's, all the household I chat. love that thing. So, I hate that
1: thing. It's like Star Wars.
2: I I hate that thing. And they're, Why? They're, the, the kids love to look at it. I'm the, like, look
1: at that thing. It's spinning. It's yeah.
2: cool. <laughs> so, the the reason... The I reason, love
1: throwing the bottles in and smashing them. Yeah. So, so that's the, fun.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good part. Is, you know, the town <laughs> hopefully will never get sued, you know, if <laughs> somebody gets glass in their eye. But it is fun. Why you do know? you hate the... So, the digester. Okay, so the... So the digester came into being when the dump was first pitched by a business to make money, public-private partnership with the town, selling compost. They were going to take compost out of the digester and sell it for money. It was going to make the dump profitable. Did not work at all. Total flop. The compost that comes out of the dump is terrible and is not compost. What happens is, Doug, everything you put, In your household trash. Everything that everybody puts in their household trash. And just imagine. Just imagine the stuff that people put in their trash. All of it goes in the digester, okay? Then there's like seven different... It gets digested. mixed together. Guess what they mix it together with? Chlorine. No. They mix it together with sludge from the wastewater facility. So all the solid material from sewers, they Uh mix it in with that because that's a lot of nitrogen. produces a lot of heat. You want to get up to 140 degrees to kill bacteria in the digester to kill toxins essentially of course yeah and so basically what the digester does is it kill it sterilizes all that material mixes it perfectly with all the plastic and junk and organics all mixed together pharmaceuticals from the sludge you know batteries people put in the trash everything and they sift out the plastic they sift out the glass and then they put it out there at the dump saying free compost I would never put that on my lawn. I think that's disgusting. And I really dislike the digester because what it does is it's trying to reduce the volume of material left at the dump. Instead of trying to produce a product. So in San Francisco, municipal compost. Everything that's biodegradable goes in the compost bucket. It's plain and simple. That's the majority of the trash. You get rid of the digester. It costs a lot of money to run. You do Actual compost that takes a month to two to three months to actually compost, you produce a great product that people can then put in their gardens that actually grows plants and is safe hmm. and is fantastic.
1: Yeah. So it's an antiquated,
2: totally yeah. antiquated, and the town was sold a bill of goods that just did not pan out.
1: It's crazy. So it's actually heated up, so there's some sort of a heating system in there. Well, the,
2: the night it's the nitrogen
1: reacts with
2: with bacteria and bacteria produce heat when where they does that sit all that is there a,
1: a holding tank so, yeah or? so
2: there's kind of like a there's like a building so they dump off all the trash uh-huh. and then they kind of lift it up with the front end loader and drop it into the digester and so takes, have you
1: gone in and seen all this oh like yeah i've gone
2: a, in taken a tour and one of those whole buildings like you know those huge buildings? yeah those big so one of them is just filled with wood chips and they just blow air there's a huge process of just tons of electricity and just blowing air around to keep the smell down now when you do compost right doug you don't you shouldn't have smell you shouldn't have a bad smell it should smell good when you go outside and you pull up a handful of earth right you know, composting leaves do they smell good to you or do they smell bad
1: it smells pretty earthy
2: it smells pretty good and earthy right so that's compost right the leaves are falling from the trees and dying with the little bugs and grubs and bada boom bada bang
1: yeah i think the i don't know i i f- I feel that uh, you know a lot of people. You know your day-to-day life. You don't think about these things, and no, like no, no. many issues uh, in a community, that until it's a problem, yeah. well, people don't want
2: to it. We as taxpayers spend about six million dollars a year on running the dump. That's a lot of money.
1: What, how does that average for that, for a similar a, population in different? Do you know a different community? How does that average?
2: I don't know, but I, it's about a quarter of what we spend on the schools. Wow. Just to kind of put it in perspective yeah that does so there's you know i want to say about 1300 kids now in the school system yeah the, that's but, another the issue budget's about school like school systems 20, getting 23 million 24 million
1: how many kids did you, did you graduate with
2: i graduated you know 90 or 100 somewhere 90,
1: 100 now. i wonder what it's at now it's definitely up i'm sure yeah right?
2: probably like 110 120 a class.
1: That seems to be. Uh, that's actually it's a younger younger ages. One of the things I talked about with uh, Dr. Hartman and Jason Grazzi today was um, that I've, you know, it's just a growing population. They don't have. Is that right? They don't have an actual number.
2: Yeah, the, 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 po- the-, the population is definitely growing. They they project like seven percent growth over the last you know ten years or so, the last eight years because the census was you know, two thousand ten. So over the last six years, I should say, it's about seven percent growth per year.
1: So you got into the politics because you really felt that you, you wanted to actually...
2: Yeah, climate change is going to have a big impact on Nantucket, and I want people to have a choice and make good choices about their lives so they're, well, there's they're not people getting that, flooded.
1: That, there's people say that there's arguments that the damage is done, that there's a lot of... I know that sounds like a cop-out.
2: Yeah, but I, I, I don't want to live my life being depressed about that. I want to live my life solving problems. So I'm... Going to choose to live a hopeful, positive life with other people and continue to solve problems. You know, is when, it
1: crazy to think that the sea level rise, like that, this could, this house here could be waterfront property?
2: No, not at all. You know, that's you know Alexandria sunk. You know, in the Mediterranean, that was almost two thousand years ago. This is the this is what happens to humanity. The sea levels have been rising for the past fifteen thousand years. You know, since the last ice age, that ice has retreated. Humanity has been able to grow into that. And what we're seeing, though, is a quicker spike in the rate of that climate change. So there was a period, you know, for 10,000 years where the ice caps stayed at a similar level. And, you know, I'm k- kind of giving you a rough estimate. But now we're at a rate where those ice caps are melting much faster and the sea levels are rising.
1: Yeah, it's scary. You know, one of my concerns is water. Water? Water. Water. I think that uh, Nantucket is, from what I understand, pretty lucky in regards to water, right?
2: Yeah, no, we have good water. Um, we could have better water. You can always have better water. But People that... put fertilizers on their lawn. That goes down in the groundwater. Like, I don't want to scare people, but like, take responsibility. Like, we all drink the same water. Just a shout out to everybody out there. Like, don't pour things on the ground that you wouldn't put in your body,
1: period. But uh, Tobias... I want my lawn to look like uh, a golf, <laughs> you know, it's gotta be green. I need that nitrogen. I want my, a healthy looking lawn.
2: Well, you can, you can do it with nice compost, you know, that you make yourself. If you, you can eat compost, you eat the tomatoes <laughs> that grow out of them, you know?
1: I, I think, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's
2: just basic. It's just basic. Being a, being a politician, being a leader is about educating people about decisions that have a positive impact on their life. We talk a lot about water quality as the board of selectmen. Um, you know, trying to improve that. We spend millions of dollars on sewer, but it's like at the end of the day, like people are spraying stuff on their lawns. Um, people are running boats that don't have efficient engines that are just spewing oil on top of the harbor. And that impacts everybody. Like we all have a right to go out to the beach and enjoy the beach, right? Why does one individual have the right to pollute the harbor where we all enjoy the harbor? That to me, just, that's a non-starter, non-sequitur.
1: Yeah, and so, uh, in, in doing that, when you're involved in those processes, it, it, it gets bogged down. Yeah, Why, get, you know, that's, the, to me, the, the, the frustrating part of being a politician.
2: Yeah, but it's... Because
1: uh, you it, have these ideas, right? But how do you get people to think the way you do?
2: Well, Well, you talk. You convince people that you take data, you take information, you show that your ideas are valid and that other people share ideas with you. You know, we're dealing with nitrogen because there's decades of data revealing that nitrogen has a negative impact on harbors. So that's why we're cleaning it up. What a lot of people don't really understand though is that what also is having a big impact is climate change. It's heating up our waters. It's changing the organic chemistry of the harbor and how that whole complex system works. Um, You know, we also do a lot of scallop dredging on the island.
1: You know, there's about 40 boats that go out, and they... yeah, Pete Kaiser talked to me about that.
2: Yeah, you know, so like, do those dredges have an impact? I think when the eelgrass was really healthy and great, they were awesome. You know, they mowed down the eelgrass. Eelgrass grows back. Well, now the harbor is already really stressed. It's under a lot of impacts. So like, if you're a, if you're a really healthy plant and you get cut down, you can grow back. But if you're a weak plant and then you get cut down, are you going to be able to grow back year after year? So it's just. What degrades ecosystems is a number of different factors, all putting pressure on them.
1: Right. Well, human beings, human we're, beings, we're taxing <laughs> the planet. You yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Overpopulation. These are these are some big. I mean, we're into like climate change now. We're ta- I just mentioned overpopulation, but it's you know we're
2: yeah. You know, lots of people talk to me about population, and I always you know I'm I'm not super interested in having kids myself, but I see you have a great you know. You know, I Daughter can tell you I, and I, I, I,
1: I can tell you that uh we we were I was not uh I wasn't I never thought I was going to it wasn't just something I uh thought I was going to do and we were you know we just thought we were going to be dog people and yeah. then uh Piper came along and it's uh I get it that's all I can tell you is I, yeah. I absolutely get it. Didn't yeah, but me. if you
2: have one kid or two kids that's fine.
1: Japan. You can only they have a two kid limit, isn't that right? I think Japan Is China? Is it China? Yeah, I think they just eliminated Whoops. that though. I'll edit that out, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of a podcast. So let me ask you this. what? Give me one of your regrets as a selectman.
2: Um, one of my regrets. Um, let me think. I think when I was just starting out, I was a little... didn't understand exactly how the system worked, and so I think I was a little harsh on people and like trying to will it to be a system that worked the way I wanted it to and I think that was good but at times I was just harsh on people on 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 the staff of the town and and I regret that because my style is really to work with people but I was young and trying to figure things out and what what my leadership style was like to be 24 and to try to lead you know we have we have over 600 staff in the town and you're a board member and you know the town manager does do most of the work but you're making you're one of five board members are making policy decisions for the whole community. And to to have leadership skills at that age took me a while to learn. And so I felt like I didn't, I wasn't the most effective leader. I wanted to be off the bat and rub some people the wrong way, but I've learned. I can
1: understand that instinct because you feel that uh, you're put in a position of somewhat power. And so you need to, and you don't, you don't want to come off as like, you know, it's a defense mechanism almost. Because you don't want to come off as like people like being pushed around. So you had to be strong minded. Yeah. You know, and it was. was And show that you're serious about what you're doing.
2: Yeah. And a lot of people said I was too young. And, you know, I I wasn't capable of doing the job I was doing and you know they were absolutely right for the first month or two I wasn't but I learned I got better you know I was active in hiring and firing people you know that's what you do as a board member you have to show leadership you have to make hard decisions but you make those decisions with a whole community and you know the kids who aren't even born yet and your kids in mine you know Piper is is in my mind like I can't just make decisions for you and me here like if she doesn't have a future on Nantucket so I have to think about like how the whole economy of Nantucket works in making decisions.
1: Wow. Uh, who are some of the leaders that you look up to? Um, I'm just curious, I was just wondering like what are some, are there some political figures or, or not even, they don't have to be political, but like who do you look up to?
2: Like in, on Nantucket or? No,
1: anything. Like who are some leaders like like that you've read or that you've learned or you really were impressed by? Someone that maybe we wouldn't know or think.
2: Um, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of like the uh, the village architect when I was younger, I really believed in this idea that there was like men who are like great, the great men, you know, the great classics. And those were the great leaders in society. And I So think, like Greek. No, 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 Or Like, like, like the, the turn of the century, the, okay. the, the great, you know, industrialists, you know, um, you know, you, you could make a really good argument that, you know, Henry Ford was a great uh, socialist or, you know, a gr- you know, a great trying to lift up the middle class, creating the middle class. And, you know, Others might say he was against unions and he was a horrible, you know, capitalists, you know, (laughs) this, that and the other thing. But for me, I think those in between people, the day-to-day people are, are a little more inspiring to me. Like when you're not in the spotlight and you're showing leadership like that, that's really valuable to me.
1: Yeah. I think leading by example is important.
2: Yeah. Be the change you seek. You know, that's, that's really hard, you know, but everybody's like, oh, you know, look at this or look at that. Look what that's wrong with the world. And, you know, oh, that leader's doing it. Well, no, we are all in this together. And especially in Nantucket, we're a little petri dish here on the island.
1: Yeah, I will say this. It's a, it's a pretty strong community. The people are very supportive. And I feel like in the wintertime, I get a much bigger sense of that. Yeah. You know, the people that I've met, and uh, there's so many amazing people out here like you and just I don't know. that's why this the whole podcast is here yeah you just because I'm, I'm totally into it I'm like wow there's just so many interesting talented people which is great I, I, I've my first year here has been just I can't you know it's great the community has been yeah no so it's, interesting to meet all these like fascinating people and like here's you know here's you and I'm inspired by the you know a 24 year old the kind of drive that takes you know i respect that and i think that's that should be inspiring for people that want to do things
2: yeah well there's 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 no future in just you know playing video games all the time like you got to do stuff yeah just just go for it you know the biggest thing i've but you learned... can't
1: judge kids that are playing i mean like some kids that video game kid might turn out to be the the most amazing programmer in the world. So
2: yeah, it's it's fine when you're 18 or 14, but when you're you know, 20, I'm not a gamer, so I can talk crap about you. You know, when you're when, when I know you're 40 year 40 olds
1: that sit there and play Xbox. See, and I don't
2: I'm, think like that. You know, so well, that's I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge. Well, that's being I,
1: idealistic because I'm I'm I get it. Uh, it's not something I partake in, but I can see you right now. You're getting, you don't like that style. Like the thought of someone sitting and playing video games at. 40 years old is like, you know, it's just, do you know what World Warcraft is?
2: Yeah, I know what it is. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, Doug, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a TV. I watch shows. I watch television now, or I watch movies now. You know, it's, it's not which, like we which, have cable. Which TV
1: shows do you, do well, you I, watch?
2: What TV shows do I watch? Yeah. Um, when I was, when I was younger, I was into House when that first came out, uh Downton Abbey um star trek i'm a big you know you're a trekkie i'm i'm definitely a trekkie no way <laughs> um, star trek next generation
1: like really like what'd you think of the movie they do did they do a good job
2: i haven't seen the most most recent movie that just came out um so i, I can't comment on that but <laughs> I, I will say like for me like you know jean-luc picard and next generation was like really important like ethically and morally like the idea of the prime directive Are you familiar i, with this I concept? know nothing right, so about that, the like, prime this is this is like i think next this is level so, shit this is like <laughs> awesome so the idea of the prime directive is, is to not interfere with societies who are not at the same technological level of advancement so like on earth now we go to primitive societies right people are living out in borneo forest and they don't know anything about radio mics or laptops or guitars or you know, right. sunglasses or any of that stuff. And then we impose our culture on them. We destroy their culture. That is against the prime directive in Star Trek. Like that is illegal in the constitution of the Federation to interfere with another society. That's wrong.
1: Yeah, well, you're looking at, uh, I mean, you don't get more imperialistic than the United States, you know? I mean, But, but the, there's a theme in history. It'd be interesting to have uh, Philbrick here to talk. That that history of, you know, is nothing new no, you. no, no. That's, that's something Britain, that plays
2: out in societies throughout history. It and does. I'm a huge, you know, you, you ask, you know, who some of my favorite people are in history. You know, I was a big fan of Theodore Roosevelt. That being said, he was a racist and a total imperialist, but he, he was there for the everyday person. He broke up the banks. He broke up the railroads. He broke up coal. He was, you know, an amazing human being and an amazing president who doesn't get a lot of credit for just Getting things done for the day-to-day working class in this country.
1: Get her done. Yeah, that's, uh, so. Where are we now? You're, you're what three months out of a, uh, not of a, being of not being a selectman, and you've been, you've yeah, just about a, mo- about a month, and you just made the announcement that you're running for state rep. Yep. Let's get into that. Tell us about that.
2: So you know, I'm running for the Nantucket, Barnstable, and Dukes County state representative. So that's Falmouth and the Vineyard for those who don't know what Barnstable and Dukes are, there's not like a funny Duke somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> there's um, there's an island called Martha's Vineyard, and that's also known as Dukes County. And, you know, so I got into it because I felt like I could continue to do good work. Um, Tim Madden, who's the current state representative, has been really positive and encouraging me. we um, have got a lot of positive feedback from the community. Um, you know, I'm running as an independent. Uh, I think that's you know kind of a little more old school like Nantucket style like the state representative is about helping out people in their day-to-day lives and I think that's really important you know someone who's going to represent the people Um, it's not like being a hotshot congressman who's doing this and that and the other thing like being behind the scenes and getting things done that help people out I think is just really important
1: yeah that's something that I I think is pretty interesting too that that it isn't like this uh house of cards kind of (laughs) yeah but we we want a version of of politics it's pretty uh it can get down and dirty right well
2: people watch that in the media and that's what they think it is and they want people you know they want everybody to be who's the guy in in house of cards Uh, mr underwood mr under yeah yeah underwood you know they they like they want that guy almost you know they want that winner who at any cost will move forward but really that's not in the benefit of society like we should work together You know, on the right and the left, we should work together to solve people's problems like that is that's what government's there for. It's there to help people. It's for the people by the people. We're there to help people. We're not there to fight out our battles. We're there to help people and breed a better society and show leadership.
1: But that those, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Those are all nice talking points, but it's the way politics function. It's in, some would argue that it's just innately, com- it's, they're, they're going to constantly butt heads. Well, Because you have money, you have agendas, you have opinions, and you put all those things in. Yeah, so, with, t- so to respond to that,
2: Doug, like on Nantucket. When I was elected, I I think a lot about systems and how systems function systems make decisions. Institutions make decisions, not individual people. And so for the Board of Selectmen, I talked to a couple of board members about having workshop days, okay? We don't vote on a subject. We say we take water quality for a workshop and we talk about water quality and we get our staff to come in and talk about water quality. We don't have to vote on any of the issues, but we help set our agenda moving forward to the things we know how to fix. And that time of not being forced to vote on something helped us make better decisions and run the institution better because we weren't forced to make a vote because we all had things to contribute to the conversation. But when you're forced to make a vote at the end of discussion, you're going to say things that force things to lean your way versus when you have an open discussion, carry it out and then at the next meeting you understand where everybody's at you've kind of reached a little more of a consensus and then you take your votes yeah it's 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 the system creates the outcomes that it's designed for
1: so are there any specific things you're really looking to change that like once if elected if elected um what's the first thing you want to tackle
2: the first thing i want to tackle well, you know, again, as a, as a board of selectmen member, the first thing I think that was really effective in tackling was becoming an expert at the job, understanding everybody I work with, understand, understanding the rest of the 160 representatives, what their concerns are, um, letting them know what my concerns are, my constituents' concerns are. Um, that to me is the most important, like learning how the system operates is really important. You know, I've had I've experienced going up there and talking to representatives and speaking on behalf of bills, but to really have an intimate understanding of it and then to move forward and, you know, passing legislation that's really good for all of Massachusetts. You know, housing is a big problem across the state. You know, I've experience on Nantucket coming up with some ideas that help solve that. We can incorporate those in the state legislation. Water quality is a big problem. Uh, I got some ideas that I think will help with that. We can incorporate that in the state legislation. Climate change is a big problem. You know, we've been talking about, um, in the local news lately, pipeline companies putting rate payers, getting electrical rate payers to pay for gas pipelines coming through with some special legislation at the state house, right, like right now, like that's something I'm totally against. So there's, there's a whole framework that bases the decisions we make now, because utility companies own the electrical grid, is one of the main reasons as why solar isn't catching on so quick. Is because they make their money off of dis- distribution. Yes. It's we- not in their interest to. It's not in their financial interest. So that's something I want to put an end to. Like we should be empowering our citizens to say, "Hey, if there's a technology out there that is green, helps you, helps the society, creates local jobs, produces local energy, gives you control of like your economic financial future." Let's promote that. Why are we Why are we creating a system that's great for the utility companies? That's government. Like, Let's get that out of there. I'm a big fan of the Anti-Corruption Act. Bernie Sanders getting money out of politics. That's like really important. You, Doug, you're getting me stirred up here. I know. I, well, <laughs> I
1: can see it, man. I like it though. But you, listen, you have to have that conviction because if you don't, why be in it? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. The- so,
2: so I have the conviction, Doug, but it's about understanding the system and how it works to bring out the best fruition to that idea that you want to expand to the rest of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. You know, and in, in America, we have something really special. They're called states. Other countries don't have little states. So in America, you have a state that does something. For example, uh, Mr. Romney, he came up with this idea called mass health. You know, we should all have healthcare in Massachusetts. I'm on it, man. You're on it? Great for you, Doug. That's Neighborhood. awesome. Neighborhood health? All right. All right. So that was Mitt Romney. He thought, like, people should have universal healthcare. He thought that was a good idea. So what did he do? He did it. Massachusetts took it on. He probably lost the election because he did it, but he really believed it was a good idea to do. Obama comes along. He says, hey, what this guy did in Massachusetts is really smart. Let's that's, make sure this happens. That's a great happens.
1: impression, by the way. Let's, good... <laughs> let's,
2: let's make sure this happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, And uh, here we are, and we have millions more people with health care. And that came about through a state taking leadership. And I want to take that leadership when it comes to water quality, when it comes to affordable housing, when it comes to climate change, when it comes to energy policy. I'm excited about that stuff.
1: Yeah, well, give me an idea. What what does it take? Like, like, so you're going to have to go to these... You're gonna have to go to the vineyard. I just think it's uh, interesting to me because people, you know, if you don't have relationships, all of a sudden you're just a stranger out there holding the sign. Yeah, there's yes. that guy from Nantucket.
2: Yeah, so so a lot of it's gonna be. What's your strategy? So my strategy, Doug, is um... <laughs> <laughs> we have a
1: playboard out.
2: <laughs> you know, my my k- kind of laying things out as they go forward. I'm gonna be, you know, raising money. Over the next uh, month and a half. It's a big part of it.
1: I donated two days ago, by the way. Oh, thank you, Doug. Gave you 25 bucks.
2: 25 bucks? Thank you. You didn't give me 27? Come uh, on. I thought like 27 uh, was lucky to every, over, Doug. Uh, every <laughs> little bit counts, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. I did. No, I, I did. I thought it was important. At the end, we'll I'll let yeah. you know where you can donate, but
2: keep yeah. going. Um, anyway, so I, I'm looking to raise about $100,000 over the next month and a half, um, or over the course of the campaign, I should say, about 50,000 in the next month and a half. And that'll take me, you know, that'll include all the cost it runs to run a campaign, you know, on the Vinterland and in Falmouth. It's just a lot of travel across the diff- district, getting people involved. I'm doing a listening tour over the next month. So just talking to people, um, not trying to like campaign really hard, but just understand people. Like for me, campaigning is really fun, like getting to talk to people and talking to you and having a conversation. And I get excited like this and it just gets my head like, going and that's great I love it <laughs> um, and, and uh, being able to help people so so that's that's kind of the first step um, you know and then I'll be over on the vineyard in Falmouth going to events and talking to people and all that social media stuff
1: well uh, give me an idea of the time commitment because I think that's important to for people to understand it's a big time commitment right campaigning to, yeah yeah or, it's pretty
2: much like full-time plus you know I'm might like, uh, sweep a few chimneys and lay a few bricks in between here or there to pay the rent but for the most part, I'll be campaigning full time.
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, where uh, can people donate? Let's get into that. If so
2: you... you can go to my website TobiasGlidden.com, You contribute there. Um, the maximum contribution is a thousand dollars, but you know five bucks, ten bucks, hundred bucks helps.
1: Every little bit counts. Every little know? bit
2: counts. You know that, and that's the thing we've seen change in politics is small contributions can really propel candidates. Um, so I really encourage everybody listening to a little bit really goes a long way
1: makes it a, makes a, uh, a big deal
2: yeah friend you can friend me on Facebook you know share a link share a story you know I'd love to do some videos with people talking about me just so people can get to know me um, there's you know just you know more about social media than I do Doug so
1: <laughs> I'm learning yeah I mean with the podcast it's it, social media is a necessary evil but I will tell you this I just I uh, a podcast that I listen to and I'll share this because I believe in sharing information we become empowered, right? That's that's Definitely. that's what, what this, I'm all about. This is what that's what, is about. That's what this podcast, I think, is. Yeah. So, I'm listening to this podcast, and this uh, um, comedian, she's a woman, and was talking about how she turned her phone. Uh, you can set it, her iPhone, to black and white, and I've been doing it for a week. And you, what's the name of the app, Doug? Uh, it's you just go into your settings. Oh, you just go into you go into your settings, and it's under grayscale, and you can switch it to black and white. But the idea is, I took Facebook off my phone, and I turned uh, my iPhone screen to black and white. So now, and I've noticed, I, I said I'll try it for a week, and thank God I did it because all of a sudden I noticed that I just don't have it as much, and that urge you have when you're waiting in line or something to pull the phone out and just mindlessly. I'm I'm more tuned in to what's going in around me now, and this is only a week, and it made a difference. It sucks for pictures because your pictures are all black and white, but I took Facebook off my phone because I found that I was just guilty, and I don't know how we got on well, this. Well, it's,
2: it's a, Doug, it's- Of just
1: scrolling through these stupid Facebook threads that do nothing for me. Occasionally, I will see an article that's interesting, and that's good, but what's happening with the everyone's feeds now is you're just inundated with crap. Yeah. And so that's like a shout out to everybody who's
2: like putting on junk up on Facebook, like put something constructive up.
1: Yeah. It
2: can be simple, you know, just a nice picture to share. It doesn't have to be like a whole thing, but try something constructive. Well,
1: back to the social media component is you have to do it because, you know, I put a podcast out and with Facebook and Twitter and no one's would know about it. Yeah. So you have to do it in Instagram. But uh, I just, one thing I did was I, it off. I took Facebook off my phone, and I found that unbelievably liberating. Because I still have my. Everyone's on a computer at some point in the day. Just check in once a day. And I was in a habit too, as I'd go to bed and I'd just flip through this feed, and I'd feel it. I'm, I could almost feel like this is mindless. I'm like a monkey, just like going <laughs> scrolling, reading these posts that just are are just nothingness. And and I, and I realized that occasionally. It was just like I would find an interesting article. But for the most part, I was just reading. <clears throat> just, have, you,
2: have you been on a plane recently, Doug?
1: Uh, yes, this winter.
2: Train or a bus? You know, yeah. So like people don't talk anymore.
1: Yeah. And that's another it. Restaurants and stuff. Everyone's looking at their phones. It's, yeah, like uh, people.
2: I, I sat down to someone uh, at Pie Pizzeria last night and started a conversation and then they pulled out their phone and that was the end of it for like 45 minutes.
1: Yeah. But I will say this sometimes it's a BS checker because you can be in, in conversations, it helps drive a, a it can actually fuel a conversation. Cause you're like, someone could say, Oh no, here's the, here's the, here's the exact date that that happened. Or if you're talking about, you know, yeah. you know, NASA started that rocket or was whatever. Yeah. You could just Google it yeah. and it, all of a sudden you have that information. So that information you could actually argue is probably really important.
2: Yeah, no, that's really good. It's help helpful. but, uh,
1: I don't know. It's just, uh, that was something I wanted to share with you cause I know, uh, we're Settings, folks, black and
2: white. Your, and
1: just try it for a day. Do you have an iPhone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: don't um, have Facebook on my iPhone though, not yet.
1: Great. Don't don't do it. Well, you might have. I don't know because if you're traveling,
2: well, I think I have a I have a social media person who's like in charge of that, so they'll help out. You know, during the day, post stuff, and then at night, I can post stuff. Yeah, personally, you know, it's radical though. It's like old school. It's like you had your phone, your home phone. You got home, you checked your messages, <laughs> you made a call. You get home, you like check your Facebook. I like that. That's cool.
1: Yeah, we. Ch- I try to read. Just read. Are you reading any good books? Am I
2: reading any good books? Yes. Yes. I'm. Um, I'm reading a book by Francis Fukuawa. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He's a historian and an economist, and it's. Um, it's a book about. Uh,
1: it already sounds dense.
2: It's really, it's really <laughs> dense. But it's, it's basically the history of how like societies form, the history of politics. And so it goes around the world and it talks about like how different societies evolve and due to their geographic locations, what kind of economic and political structures that they evolve. Um, so like in China, due to like the flat terrain and the lack of like rivers and mountain ranges, they have a, you know, one government. And then in Europe, because there's a lot of rivers and mountains, and then England on the offshore, they have a bunch of separate countries. Interesting. Um, so that's just one example. There's n- that's pretty cool. Yeah. There's many others why geography causes different societies to evolve.
1: I need a new book. I need to, I'm, I'm getting recommended. I just, I was talking to Amy the other day. I was like, God, I got to start. I've just finished this one. I just try and read more. Yeah. Just that's, go down to book that board, was,
2: You know, they're the ones who, who know the books, you know? All right. I'll stop Your in local. there. See Wendy. Yeah. Say hi.
1: Well, listen, that's uh this has been a great conversation. I, uh, I just want you to know that, uh, I can tell that uh, I'm impressed by your passion and your conviction. I could see you getting worked up with issues, which is good because uh, that's what you need. You need that drive, and I think it. Uh, you know, not many 24 year olds are going out there. I'm 27,
2: and, Doug. I was when I was first elected a selectman. I was 24, but I'm 27 now. Just point of fact, just to clarify.
1: <laughs> well, what I was, was going to say is that uh, you know that. When you were 24, the decision to jump into into politics is something that I don't think uh, a lot of people have at that age. So the kind of maturity that that takes is uh, commendable, you well, know. You. And uh, you know, inside the whale uh, certainly supports you in, in your uh, in your journey. I can't wait to see uh, what happens and uh, anything that we can do to support you and get the word out, you know, for Tobias Glidden, state rep, folks.
2: Thank you, thank you, Doug. It's uh, it's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: That's always a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, man. That's it.
0: Great. Work on that attitude. Get it while you're out, and if Woo. you don't get it, then you don't get it. You really got to sort of have. To. I am not the. One. I swear I can look just like your father, if I can wear a stupid pair of jeans, and I am not the one that you wanted, but I can be the one that you need. I swear I can look just like your father, if I can drive up you again